0: aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don.
1: This is, once again, another estate planning essentials program. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the co-host of this fine program, which is thoughtfully striving to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my co-host, my attorney, my friend, who should at least be, I don't know if he can be your co-host, maybe in a podcast. uh, your friend. I don't know, Michael's got a lot of friends already, but he should be your attorney. And his name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Happy New Year. Look forward to another program with you. Today, we want to discuss something that's very important. It's a little bit of an ambiguous term, capacity, and what that means, when it applies, when it doesn't. And you want to describe capacity and various options for that.
2: Yeah. When you sign legal documents, or if you make a gift, you have to have a certain level of capacity to you got to kind of know what you're doing. <laughs> and so and the and the strange part is that most people, first of all, they don't know what capacity is. And second of all, uh, they don't know um, what the level of capacity is for different types of actions. So there's testamentary capacity. That's to sign a will. There's contractual capacity, which is to sign a contract. And there's donative capacity, which is the ability to make a gift. Now, the reason for all this is, uh, uh, you know, obviously y- you have to be of sound mind. Uh, you have to be over the age of 18. And if you're um, under 18, then you're not presumed to have any capacity. Um uh, and so, you know, we talked about on the guardianship program mm-hmm. um, that we did—I say guardianship, the alternatives to guardianship—there mm-hmm. um, were certain definitions under the Texas estate code mm-hmm. as to when somebody has capacity or is at least um, or is incapacitated. So if you were a minor— uh, obviously had incapacity, as we just mentioned, or if you're an adult who because of physical or mental condition is substantially unable to either provide food or clothing or shelter for yourself or care for your own physical health or manage your own financial affairs or if you have um, to have somebody to collect governmental funds. You know, like we talked about one, I, I think we may have mentioned on um, – last week's show, and maybe I didn't, but um, representative pays are like a poor man's guardianship. Uh, so somebody collects Social Security for you because you can't have it for yourself, uh, you can't handle things and spend the money for you. Um, but in any event, the, a lot of times there's, it becomes important, uh, let's say you have a will, uh, capacity is going to be one of the things that somebody may contest if you have inadequate capacity. So how do you? what do you do? How do you determine it? And if there's not, you, the attorney has to make these decisions too on whether somebody has capacity to even sign a deed, uh, the contractual one. A lot of times you have to do an evaluation, and sometimes you know if there's capacity and sometimes you don't know if there's capacity. So tell me, my friend, who determines this? Well, you can only could do the best you can. Uh, usually, when we have a questionable situation, we uh, we might explain to the doctor, uh, like a gerontologist or a geriatric psychiatrist or psychologist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a neurologist, about the legal definitions that we will go over here today and usually we often ask for them to sign an affidavit and then we might put some of the terms that are needed that we will mention here into an affidavit swearing that the person had enough capacity so that if there's a uh, contest at a later date then we say look we relied upon the uh, determination of an expert in the mind, so it goes to expertise. Now, whether that will or contract or gift is overturned is going to certainly be up to a court, uh, If but we want to put the person in the best position to succeed. Um, sometimes I can't tell. Uh, I, met, I think I talked about uh, sometime in 2022 about somebody who came to my office and I didn't know because he was an attorney, um, and he started telling me about his court cases when he was uh, uh, still practicing. And, but I couldn't tell whether he had capacity because some things he said were, hm, I'm not really sure. Mm. And so, uh, so, for example, I said to him, who is the president of the United States? A simple question that we often ask. His response was Walter Mondale.
1: Mm-hmm. Goodness.
2: I said, "Well, I think I'm going to let you talk to the geriatric psychiatrist who evaluates you." Surprisingly enough, he said he had capacity. Now, I would not have—I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. Don't have to accept the case. Right. Um, this could easily end up being a contested situation, mm-hmm. so we have to make a determination whether we even want to do it or not.
1: And I guess you have to question the credibility of the individual who answered Walter Mondale and the doctor himself. I mean, yeah. You both, I think, are in doubt. Yeah,
2: but the doctor said, well, and it's, it has a reasoning in a report as to why there was this capacity to do this type of thing, whether it be a will or a trust or a power of attorney whatever. And so we go by the doctor's report and it will go to evidence
1: should there ever be a contest. I right, so if he said... Donald Trump instead of Joe Biden, I might understand a little bit. and use the word reasoning, you can have logic and reasoning and this kind of thing, but how important is memory?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or or erroneous memory. Right, right, right.
2: Well, no, another time I may uh, have—we talked about this some time ago. Uh, I uh, asked—this is at the time of the exact day of the election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton— Now, I said to this elderly lady, I said, Can you tell me who is running for president today? She stopped. She kind of put her hand on her chin and thought about it for a second, and then she said, a jerk and a crook.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Correct answer. Oh.
2: Yeah, I so, said, yeah, that sounds, sounds like capacity to me. Yeah, exactly. Bingo, 100%. But, but nowadays, people even wonder what about the definitions. Of. <laughs> yes, exactly. Challenge
1: that assumption, too. <laughs> Very true.
2: So, so it's a, it, it, I don't know sometimes, and when I don't know, when I don't feel comfortable, I do a a capacity affidavit for a doctor who specializes in the mind to do an affidavit to swear. And so a lot of times before we'll even start on anything, I want to get a feel. And then I'll have a – and then uh, if I do feel like it's really, you know, maybe sometimes they're loose and sometimes they're not, if you could – we say in the affidavit that the time that they signed whatever that document was that they – had capacity at that time Mm -hmm. because it's not – so just because uh, you've had some sort of diagnosis, uh, let's say of some sort of dementia, doesn't mean that automatically you lack capacity. It depends – you know – It depends on how far along you are. So if somebody has been diagnosed, uh, we often want to do things at the early stages because the longer you go, obviously, the more dementia there might be and the less likelihood that you could sign documents. So if if I get the doctor says no, the person doesn't, have capacity I'm not going to do the documents uh, at all so I want to know from the get-go before and then if we if it becomes more of a question we might have the affidavit signed simultaneously with the documents to reduce the risk of a somebody saying well you know they didn't have capacity and and so if somebody had been diagnosed with di- uh, some sort of dementia or early Alzheimer's or whatever uh, and the doctor said yeah but they're early enough they still know whatever, then, um, then we have that uh, at that time. So it becomes less of a uh, situation that's, con- it could still be contested. Anything could be contested, uh,
1: but uh, you reduce the risk uh, of being uh, unsuccessful. With all of your years of experience, have you ever been in a situation where the doctor, him or herself, was demonstrating dementia?
2: You know, I've never had that uh, personally, right. yeah. uh, but we, you know, it is a concern. Uh, I know that the bar association is concerned as people live longer uh, that they're concerned about elderly attorneys going before the court. Ah, yes. And so there's been efforts to try to uh, try to recognize the issue, and so it's getting to be more of a problem uh, as people age
1: makes perfect sense
2: so i imagine too that the same thing is applicable for doctors so uh it it it, you know we're
1: doctors are not immune Yeah. yeah i um i have no interest in retiring maybe ever um i want to protect this ministry and asset that god's given me so i don't ever expect to step down from my position and um hopefully i won't be in that situation like attorneys or doctors could be in but it makes sense that uh, you have to question their credibility uh, because you never know sometimes. And I, I would imagine all the attorneys around me, uh, including my buddies, and I've got a starting five that are all attorneys in my inner circle here. It's, it's crazy. But I would imagine that, like them, because so it's their jobs as attorneys, for the, most of the attorneys, I would imagine, unlike you, they're always looking – I don't know about these five guys, but a lot of attorneys are always looking for a crack in the window – to be able to slide in and say, oh, and create doubt. A reasonable doubt. And then they it gives them something to say. Well, this is illegitimate, or this is this person's not credible, and therefore drop the document in the trash and let's start over. Do, do you see a lot of that? Well, of course, I'm not a litigator.
2: I'm just I'm a nerdy planner. Mm-hmm. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm 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 not in that world. I'm in my own unique little area, trying to okay. help people take care of themselves and their family. And so I don't go into the uh, beyond a reasonable doubt versus. Uh, uh, preponderance of the evidence type things that litigators uh, may be involved in, depending on if it's uh, a civil case or a criminal law case. I never go to court except for maybe probating a will. Mm-hmm. Generally. Um, uh, you know, somebody their will to make sure it's valid. So I'm not I'm not in that world. But even, uh, but I imagine that the courts uh, will look and recognize a lot of the different attorneys and may have to report somehow to the bar association on different things if they think that there's a problem. I I had a client that was an attorney uh, uh, a few months ago who had. I written you know I write four articles a month a lot of times about these shows that we're doing today including this capacity affidavit uh, situ- or capacity determination that will be in our uh, February newsletter Great. uh the and he he had forgotten something that I had told him and then he read the article he said oh, you never told me that and then I, but he had given me what he had written to his uh, sister-in-laws and brother-in-laws of what he was supposed to do, and in that it showed exactly what I had had told him then, okay. and he said, oh, I, am, I apologize. Um, this tells me that—I mean, he was an older attorney—he says, this tells me it's time for me to retire. Wow. Yeah, so um, he had forgotten, but he had put it down in a letter mm-hmm. form to everybody exactly what I had said. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you kind of forget, and, right. um, and uh, you know, I guess the older you get, it's kind of like uh, uh, you may – your mind might be this vast library, but you just can't find the books at the end of the hall. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, long and loud applause for that man who knew when it was time to retire. I really respect him for that.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it becomes an issue, and, and quite frankly, the older we get, the – you know, it's not unusual
1: that um, – our mind is not as quiet as what it was before. Right. And that's why you need to attend Michael's next workshop, because you can't be sure of really anything. I, again, I commend that attorney for recognizing that he needs to move on and let new people take over and help Uh, potential clients who maybe have a vulnerable situation and in Michael's case that's he's nowhere near retiring by any means with based on these last 10 years of programs he's been doing with me the fact that he's been practicing elder law estate planning law for decades now all the more reason why he should attend his next workshop which is Saturday February the 18th at 10 o'clock It's a free estate planning essentials workshop. It's in person. It's not online. It's in Michael's um, building where his offices are. And, Michael, first tell them where the workshop is and then second what goes on.
2: Yeah, it's in our conference center of our building, which is – uh, if you know where Medical City Hospital, we're right behind that, which is near Forest and Central Expressway, south of LBJ, six thirty-five seventy-five, and it's like you said, it's free. We ask people what they want to know. I've never really had the question about capacity that we're going, we're talking about here today. But, well, sometimes we might have a question is, when how do you determine capacity? But uh, it's not a common question. Mm-hmm. We ask people what they want to know. Typically, it's about wills or trust or powers of attorney and the differences. There's so many different variations of those types of documents that people are not aware of. Or sometimes it's about planning for public benefits like Medicaid or veterans benefits. You never know what people are going to want to know. Uh, we ask you what you want to know, and over those two hours, we answer whatever your questions are and the questions of others, as well as having a presentation explaining some of the basics uh, about wills and trust and Medicaid, some other things. Uh, but it really anything related to estate planning, we attempt to answer. Uh, if you go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give you an additional free hour of uh, vision meeting as we call it where we look at your individual situation even in more depth to, to see if you're planning to protect your loved ones the way you like uh, or yourself, the way you want. That is, uh, it could be anything. Uh, we, d- we don't know if it's going to be a tax issue or if it's going to be a public benefits issue. Most people are not aware of the different public benefits uh, issues that may need- be needed, for, especially for long-term care, or if somebody's disabled. Anyway, we ask people what they want to know, and we never know what it's going to be. To attend that free estate planning essentials workshop on February 18th at 10 o'clock, all you have to do is call... 214 720 0102. That's 214 720 0102. Or sign up online at dallaselderlawyer.com. That's dallaselderlawyer.com. And I think you're going to enjoy it. You're going to have fun. You're going to learn something. And uh, if you want to have that free vision meeting, you're welcome to it. Certainly no obligation on any situation there what
1: i like uh, about one of the many things is the convenience of the workshops uh it's freeway close uh it's in the morning after traffic is let up and this is a saturday morning on top of it you provide them with water coffee kwm coffee mugs donuts those kinds of things which is really nice too it's all free Um, so michael's very thoughtful about his people and why he does them at those times and on those days
2: yeah uh, we hope so that uh, everybody seems to enjoy and we've been doing them for ten years, but that's because they've been everybody has enjoyed it I and mean, they keep coming back and people tell their friends and or they may hear about it on this show or they may hear it on our newsletter or podcast or something or on a blog or whatever but the in in any event um people wanted to do it and it could keep on going, so that's why we kept on having them so i think I
1: think you'll enjoy it again. there's no obligation uh, like I said in last week's program. Michael provides me with a peace of mind because he's done my estate planning for me. So I'm in the Michael Cohen stable. And I feel very good about that because I know how current and on top of things he is. Um, You would feel really good about it too. So just attend his next workshop and then decide for yourself. I'm just admonishing you to go to the workshop and then we go from there. All right, Michael, about seven or eight minutes left to talk about capacity some more. Yeah, let's talk about first about testamentary capacity. You kind of, first of all,
2: the one who's signing the will needs to know what she's signing. You're signing a will uh, at the time that the will is signed. The second thing is you need to know the effect of signing the will, mm-hmm. that this is going to be transferring your assets at the time that you die. Then you got to generally know what what you own. You don't have to know every single item, but you just have to know generally what you have. Uh, I asked a lady this last week, what do you have? And She said, uh, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. And so I said, hmm. I said, you know what, I, I think that we're going to have to check on this because I don't. I question your capacity. And as it turned out, went to the doctor, and we said – and they said, no, she could sign, but she doesn't know what she's signing. So they said, well, I'm sorry. I am not going to be able to, you know, from an ethical standpoint – this is why um, you, can't, you can't do this. and so that, so this is why it used to be that banks didn't recognize a lot of powers of attorney because people go to Office Depot and just sign something, say, "Hey, person who has dementia, sign this."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, w- bank have liability to try to say, "Okay, I'm going to let you, this other person, have your money." Um, this is a, you know. Could it be a very awful situation here? So, you know, really that's why they have these different laws to try to protect uh, you. Uh, Could be determining whether you have capacity, whether it be on a will, power of attorney, contract, whatever gift. Uh, you also need to know who your closest relatives are. That doesn't mean you have to give your assets to your closest relatives, mm-hmm. but you need to know who your next of kin or who is the bounty of your affections, the actual law. Interesting. Um, you Also, when you sign a will, you have to you can kind of be able to put those type of things together. You might not be able to put them later that afternoon or something, but at the time that you signed the will, you had to have a, a lucid, interval, a memory long enough to know the effect of your decision being made. Again, it doesn't mean that and, – and, and it could be that, you, you know, you might think that that person's judgment is unreasonable, but the person who – uh, you can say, no, I want everything to go to so and so, which isn't a relative or whomever. Mm-hmm. But it, it, do they have um, a reasonable judgment to make the decision based on their uh, capacity at the time?
1: I always of, ask you because we want to make sure no one forgets somebody, whether it, it comes yeah. to inheriting something or not inheriting something.
2: Yeah, I mean, in fact, I said to, I had somebody in my office. Uh, uh, earlier this week, which I wasn't sure about, they wanted to do a trust, and uh, the two daughters uh, were just, we were just talking about options, and I asked, who who are, who are your, who would you want as a beneficiary, and there was two daughters in the room, uh, and they didn't say anything, he said, well, I want daughter and a granddaughter, I said, and okay, I said, do you have any other daughters, you know, you know, as... You know, their daughter felt like
1: chopped liver. Right. You know, so. uh, Or if the daughter's estranged, they may say, no, I don't because I haven't spoken to her in 30 years. By the way, we wouldn't have them in the
2: room uh, if there was any question of undue influence. Right. So when we sign documents or whatever, we don't. You remember I told you the old story about the person who. Came in. And I couldn't understand what they said. The All daughter right. said, yeah, yeah. "Yeah, she wants everything to go to me." Right. Exactly. So that's like the under duress
1: phrase that they use. Well, or at least I, I do under influence. Influence. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. We that's certainly not good, and that's dangerous. So I'm glad you cover for that as well. So mm-hmm. that's
2: what the common thing is when people uh, sign when they try to contest wills, is there undue influence, capacity, duress? Those are common things. Now, quickly, because I know that I have limited time. About four minutes. minutes left. Okay. okay. Let's go over contractual capacity. Sure. Just like on a will, uh, as it just like we talked about guardianship last week, either if you're uh, a minor, you can't sign anything, uh, if you're an adult who... It, because your mental, physical condition can't substantially provide food, clothing, or shelter for yourself, or care for your own physical health, or manage your own finances, or if you have to have a, somebody to take care of your uh, receiving of governmental funds, those are situations uh, which are not needed necessarily for a will. Uh, on the will, you have to be a sound, disposing mind and memory. Uh, and you have to be over age 18, but you'll see for contractual capacity, it's actually a higher level of capacity. Uh, the reason is you're dealing with your assets during your lifetime, whereas it becomes more important to take care of you during your life versus what happens after you die. So not only do you do have to have that, but you you, ha- you just have to have sufficient mental capacity to know what you're doing when you sign in. And so if you have a contract, actually the capacity level for a more sophisticated or higher complex document may be a higher level of capacity. So you might be able to have capacity on uh, some parts of the contract, but not on other parts of the contract. So as that sounds uh, kind of uh, unusual, but that might be the case. And you have, of course, you have to exercise your own free will. So contractual capacity is higher than... Testamentary capacity, that testamentary capacity, the ability to sign a will. Mm-hmm. And of course and, and donative capacity, the capacity to make a gift is even higher than that. Because again, if you make a gift, you need that money to save for take care of yourself for the rest of your life. Mm. So uh, for a gift, you have to have the intent to make a gift, to have to deliver the property, and somebody mm. has to accept it. But if you make a large gift, and this is really important in the Medicaid world, unless you get somebody's an uh, independent person who's given you the reason why to make a larger gift. If you make a large gift and you can't take care of yourself, then the gift could be set aside as void mm. because you need that money to live off. Now, for Medicaid, or sometimes veterans benefits there are sometimes it's beneficial to make transfers so you can get governmental benefits so that's why we mentioned in financial powers of attorney that the standard power of attorney doesn't give that ability but if you don't have long-term care insurance often you want to be able to make those gifts but if you gave uh, an unlimited or broad gift giving authority, and it wasn't to do anything to do with that and didn't get an independent person's uh, consent and now all of a sudden your assets have been taken away because you're it's considered like uh almost like a, an undue influence uh, a fraud basically that wow. could be set aside wow. by the way, that gets into another thing if somebody didn't have in their power of attorney the ability to make large gift giving and they started taking Assets of the principal, the person who signed it, it could even be a criminal act. The amount of the criminal act depends on the amount taken as the level amount taken increases potentially the felony.
1: This is immense information. It's almost threatening in some time. It's at times because of the criminality of the, of the possibilities, which is very scary. All I can do is admonish again the listener to not make this a bucket list thing, but make this a to-do list. Put it at the top of your to-do list if if it's on the list. Put it at the top of the list if it's not on the list. This is something you've got to get done, and then keep addressing it annually, biannually, because things change. The way to do that is to attend Michael's next workshop. That is the first step. Dial two one four seven two zero zero one zero two two one four seven two zero zero one zero two for that Saturday, February the eighteenth, ten a.m. workshop in person right here in Dallas, Texas or even go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Our Dallas Elder Lawyer, Michael Cohen. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. The record shows I took the blows and did it
0: my way. A leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102.